He's a very huggable man, isn't he? Yeah. God bless you. Good morning. Welcome to church. Uh, yeah, we're going to have a prayer, some like seminar on the, on a Saturday, a couple of weeks time from now. Uh, going to have a great guest speaker, and just try and incubate, you know, stir up our value for prayer. It's good to have you in the house today. Fantastic. And uh, next Sunday we're going to talk to you a little bit about kingdom builders and how we can uh, do something wonderful for Jesus and uh, create some great things. Fantastic. Thank you for releasing me last week to be away at a missions convention. I was, uh, did a missions convention for Barcelona Assemblies of God. And it's great to have Frank in the house too. Very good, uh, Frank. And uh, it's a hard way to get attention, having a massive heart attack and uh, four stents in his life, but he's looking good, looking real good. So why don't you just turn to your neighbour and say, you are looking really important to me. <laughs> I thought it says you look imported. <laughs> So uh, time has slipped by as it does, but what a great morning. Just love the sense of God's presence in the house. And, you know, towards the end there, there was that God was in the house. If you're in a place of faith, enormous things could have happened. Chains could have been broken. There was authority in the house for every chain to be broken in the name of Jesus. So that's, that's always terrific, isn't it? Because miracles happen, things begin to move and so. So we've been on a uh, journey of dealing with a sermon series where we've been attempting to talk about life's problems. And who knows that sometimes in the world you will have problems. And sometimes those problems will come on two legs. <laughs> and so what we've attempted to do also is not just get someone who's read some good books on the subject, uh, because I don't care how much the Catholic priest might have studied the issue of marriage, he's going to have troubles talking about it. You understand? So we've tried to get people who actually know something about what they're talking, just not out of study, but out of experience as well. And so it's great to hear from Sam, who has actually walked with the black dog of depression for many years and is coming out of it. He's almost normal. So that's great. It's great to have these sorts of stories. We're going to hear from others later on. And today I'm going to talk to you about people. I don't do people that well. I like people in theory. I just don't like them in my space. So, and it's terrible being a pastor because you've got to love people. Have you met some? <laughs> And so, um, yet it's such an important part of what this thing called life's about. And God makes it so clear and so ugly. In 1 John, he says that if you say you love God on the vertical dimension, yet you're not doing well on the horizontal dimension, you're a liar. And you're not even saved. So I didn't like that. Now, I like to be spiritual sometimes. Occasionally, I get there. Uh, and part of my tradition, I'm not always successful, is I like to tithe my time to spiritual retreat. 
sounds very spiritual, doesn't it? So 30 days a month, I take three days off and I go away for prayer, sometimes fasting, sometimes feasting. And traditionally, I like to go to the convent, the, convent, the monastery up at Eunorcia. It just works for me. I'm an old Catholic boy, so I'm not freaked out by all the crucifixes and the curtsies and things. And essentially, in the old days, you couldn't get a phone. You couldn't get a phone signal there. There was no internet. There was no newspapers, no TV. And it was just quiet. And it worked really great for me. Um, And I'd go up there and we'd have all sorts of issues in the church, you know, problems and missionaries and people facing cancer and stuff. And I'd get down before the Lord and I'd start saying, Lord, I'm here to seek your face and talk to you and see all these wonderful miracles take place in me. So I've got my shopping list. I know you wouldn't do this. On What's on your agenda. So I'd have my list. And God would say, yeah, how are you doing with Monique? And I'm saying, not fair. <laughs> really not fair. Can we change the subject, God? And I'd get down to praying and fasting, seeking God, and I'd feel the Spirit of the Lord come upon me. And start saying, well, how are you doing with Monique? And I says, look, we've talked about that one. I would like to talk about something important. I said, I, I, I said that to God. That's what God said back to me too, by the way. He says, Mike, you don't get it yet. You don't get it. And so I've been going for years. I'm being honest. For years, this is my deep prayer life. I'm wanting to change the world. I'm wanting to grow a great church for Jesus Christ. I'm wanting to send out missionaries in the field. And all God wants to talk to me is about how am I doing as a father and as a husband. (laughs) So it's challenging, isn't it? People bring the best out of us and they bring the worst out of us. So I love this little image here. Because in many ways, it's the cookie-cutter family, isn't it? This is the cookie-cutter family that we're meant to aspire to. Now, if this couple comes to church on Sunday, you know, on the surface, they look like the sort of people we want, don't they? Yet, could you suggest maybe it's maybe not as nice as it appears? Kids are disconnected. Dad's got his mobile phone and she's off somewhere else. Living with problem people. Next slide. Thank you. Because we know that. The secret to success is knowing who to blame for your failures. It's the great secret, isn't it? Uh, excuse me. It's actually sarcasm. <laughs> sarcasm. The key is, if you want great relationships, you have to take, I'm going to use the R word in church, I'm sorry, Responsibility. You have to take responsibility. It doesn't matter how bad or how evil that person in your life that just worries a snot out of you, uh, you will get nowhere by focusing on their snot. Look up your own nose. You do. You actually have to take responsibility. I've worked out over 35 years of marriage to my wife. I cannot change her. I've tried. I have seriously tried. She's looking at me, yeah. (laughs) 
I better behave myself this morning. I'm getting close to the edge of having an interesting drive home. (laughs) But the truth is, it's no good me saying, if only Monique would do this and this and this and fix that and do that and all that sort of stuff. That doesn't change anything. I, the secret is, I have to take responsibility for what I can do. Not what the other person should do, but what can I do? So that's a joke. The key is for you to take responsibility for your stuff. And all the married people said, and all the single people said, amen. Okay, next one. Okay, strife. As long as we have each other, we will never, never run out of problems. (laughs) That's not sarcastic. That's the truth. (laughs) If you are looking for relationships that are forever perfect and nothing goes wrong and you're forever just... You know, she's the harmony and he's the reason for the song. He's the lyric. If you're looking for that relationship, I'm sorry, chase unicorns. Look for the fairy down the bottom of the garden, you know. Look for the pot of gold and in the rainbow. It does not exist. I'm telling you the truth. Oh, there was one man, I, he did actually had a guy doing a thing like this who was saying nobody was perfect and the man stood up in the middle of the congregation Pastor, I disagree with you. There is a perfect man. My wife's former husband. (laughs) It's true, that. Strife. Next one. Uh, Dysfunction. This one worries me a little bit. The only consistent feature of all your dissatisfying relationships is you. Oh, hey, if there's a pattern forming, as you look in the rear vision mirror, failed relationship, miserable relationship, failed relationship, miserable relationship, maybe it's not the world that's crazy. Yeah? (laughs) It's true. And unfortunately, coming out of one relationship in a way that is damaging and broken doesn't set you up for the next relationship well. You usually only go into the next relationship with more baggage. I did fly AirAsia once. And uh, it was a really cheap fare, but I had to pay some excess baggage because I went from international class, which was 25 kilograms, into... Uh, interstate class, which was 20 kilograms, so I ended up having five kilograms of extra baggage. Well, guess what? Those five kilograms cost me more than the airfare. There was a big sign over the world, be careful for excess baggage. So many millions of dollars have been made by your age of excess baggage. So, Hey, if you don't deal with your baggage, you will have to pay for it. So learn to travel long. Next one. Okay, Deuteronomy chapter 22 verse 10 says this. Do not plough with an ox and an ash yoke together. Turn to your home so what on earth does this have to do with anything? Okay, now say, Pastor, please help us. (laughs) Okay, that's the original text that Paul later quotes on. It's often misquoted, but of course in some cultures they would actually do this. And the truth is, 
if you try and plow in that configuration, what will happen is that the cow, the ox on most times will be stronger than the donkey. And so no matter what you do, you will not get straight furrows. You'll always be going, of course, because of a misalignment with the strength of those two animals. Next one. Here we go. Living with an unbeliever. First stop point, please. Is it easier to live with a believer or an unbeliever? Question. Let's do a short poll quickly. Who thinks it's easy to live with a believer? Who thinks it's easy to live with an unbeliever? Who's not going to put up their hands? <laughs> it works every time. Great one. Well, here's some facts. Hey, these disturb me, these facts. It disturbs me, but here's the truth. Christians divorce at exactly the same rate as non-Christians. Oh, it saddens me. Every time I do a wedding, I'll often just go through my marriage register because I'll often spend a lot of time with people in the uh, relationship coaching zone. So you get to really know people over six, seven weeks, eight weeks of relationship coaching. You get to know them quite well, and you just flip over the pages. And so they're a great couple. What happened? Oh, they're awesome. What, what happened? Oh, that, that was true. Oh, actually, they, look, I didn't think that happened. They're doing well. It's interesting, isn't it? Uh, next fact. Uh, here are the challenges if you live with an unbeliever. One, uh, you are unequally yoked. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, which means, next bullet point, uh, you are going to be antagonistic to one's faith. And uh, that's a real challenge. So you've got these different values. And let me say this very clear to you. I mean, I know, I know people right now who are dating non-Christians. Let me say to you, why would a non-Christian not cheat on you? There is nothing in the value system of a non-believer to cheat, lie, steal. It's actually fair go, isn't it? You know, I'll marry you for as long as you, I'll remain committed to you as long as you please me. But maybe you don't please me. I'm out of here, babe. That's the worldview. I would like something more to build upon in terms of covenant and commitment than just those sorts of shallow things. Next one. Next slide. Living with the uncommitted. This is perhaps just as hard. You're living with someone who may go to church or they don't go to church. Um, but uh, that's also a challenge. And I've seen couples over the years where, you know, they go good for a while and both of them go to church. Then one pulls back out of church life for a while. And so the other partner pulls back as well. And then one goes forward again. So somewhere on the way, you and I actually have to take responsibility for our own walk with God. We can't actually get to heaven and say, God, I know you had a plan for me, what Rebecca was talking about earlier on. I know you had a plan for me, but I didn't do my plan for your life, your plan for my life, because of my wife. She wouldn't let me. It's not really a great excuse, is it? <laughs> but you need things. So you've got to refocus on your responsibility. Next point, because time's going to go. It's, I'm racing the clock today. Redefine the meaning of marriage. The meaning of marriage is not happiness. It's not happiness. And all the married people said, The meaning of marriage is growth. It's to help you grow. 
because you're born selfish. It's a sin principle and marriage is one place in your life where if you want to get along even a little bit well with each other, you have to learn how not to be selfish. You're meant to help someone else. It's not all about you. Okay. So the meaning of marriage is not happiness but growth. Release yourself. I'm going to talk a little bit more. Can you remind me? Mike, talk about self. Okay, release yourself. Next one. Next slide, thank you. Okay. Here's uh, some great advice in the message version. The same goes for you wives. Be good wives to your husbands, responsive to their needs, Monique. There are husbands who are indifferent as they are to any words about God. <laughs> going to be an interesting drive home, yeah. Will be captivated by your life of holy beauty. What matters is not your outer appearance, the styling of your hair, the jewelry you wear, the colour of your clothes, but your inner disposition. Culture the inner beauty, the gentle, gracious kind that God delights in. The holy women of old were beautiful before God that way and were good, loyal wives to their husbands. Sarah, for instance, taking care of Abraham would address him as my dear husband. You'll be a true daughter of Sarah if you do the same. Unanxious and unintimidated. I like that. The same goes for your husbands. Be good husbands to your wives. All the ladies said, honor them, delight in them. As women, they lack some of your advantages. But in the new life of God's grace, you are equals. That's pretty clear. Treat your wives then as equals as your prayers don't run aground. That's what I was fighting with with God. When I wanted to talk to God, he wants to talk to me about my relationship with my wife. That's amazing, isn't it? Summing up, be agreeable. There's some advice. Be agreeable. And everybody said no, I know. Okay. Be agreeable, be sympathetic, be loving, be compassionate, and be Humble. That goes for just Mike. <laughs> Didn't hear any amen, sweetheart. That goes for... That goes for... No exceptions. No retaliation. No shark tongue, tongue sarcasm. Instead, look, look at this. Bless. It's your job to bless. You'll be a blessing. And guess what? Then you'll also get the blessing. So let's just look at that last bit again. Next slide. Second Peter, that goes for all of you. No exceptions, no retaliations, no shark tum sarcasm. Instead, bless. That's your job to bless. You'll be a blessing and also get a blessing. I wish I could get every one of you, if you're not too freaked out by it, to take this and just say, in the name of Jesus, bless it. <laughs> Let this be a thing of blessing. Blessing. They've done, actually done statistics. They can actually predict now to about a 98% factor of whether a relationship will succeed or fail based on just listening to the couples talk to each other. And so they put tape recorders on them. They uh, gather all that what's been said to them over about two weeks and then they classify how many positive things the person said to their partner and how many negative things were said by the partner. And here's the deal. If... Two, say two, say two, two, say two. If two good things were said, 
for every seven bad things, the relationship had a 98% chance of being healthy and thriving. Isn't that amazing? You would think that you didn't need that you need to actually have seven good things for two bad things. But the thing is, there's such power in our words that when you say something that's positive, that's a blessing, that can I even hint you spiritually charged, where you're speaking faith over your partner and you're encouraging them, it is enormously powerful. It's incredibly beneficial whether that's for your kids, for your husband, your wife, your uncle, your mum, the one positive thing that you say has power. Next one. The difficulty is that human beings were created to actually get their security, their sense of safety, their significance, their sense of I'm important in the world and their self-worth from a relationship with God. Because of selfishness, the Bible word is sin, but I'm not using the word deliberately there because that tunes some people out. They think it in very stereotypical. But basically it's selfishness. Because of selfishness, we now try to get our security, our significance, and our self-worth out of two things, possessions and people. Do you know any people that actually try to get their sense that they're okay from people? Do you know any people that try to get their sense of security, self-worth, and the other one, <laughs> from things? And what that simply leads to is pain because people can't be God and neither can cars and boats and planes. You and I were made to actually get those needs met from our relationship with Jesus. And I hope you understand what I'm saying because for some of you, that's like mysticism. It's like it's not real. But until you can actually get your internals fed by your relationship from the fact that you are born again, that you're a child of God, that you're the salt of the earth, that you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus, that it's your faith that overcomes the world, until that becomes a living, internal dialogue, conviction, statement in your life, you'll still try and get it from people and from possessions. And it will disappoint. It will hurt. So next slide. Thank you. Okay, so let's realignment uh, for relationship. In order for Mike to be healthy, one of the things I will need to start with is I do need to release my past guilt, shame and failure. If I'm trying to deal with someone, I'm still carrying that excess baggage in my life, it will be a problem. I do actually have to let that go. So in the name of Jesus, grab someone's hand now. We're going to pray. Right now, dear Father, I ask that in the name of Jesus that we'll break this change right now. Any past guilt, failure, shame in a relationship and by your Holy Spirit now, talk to us, dear God. You can bring the person's face to us right now, their name, whatever. Father, in the name of Jesus, we forgive them. We hold them no longer accountable and release ourselves and them to that debt of guilt, failure, and shame in Jesus' name. Amen. Fantastic. So we've got to forgive ourselves and others. And that's often the big challenge is that sometimes we can forgive others, but then how do you forgive yourself? Some of you just got to let it go and say, God, you've taken care of it. 
an uncovering the power of yourself. Time's gone, but use self as an analogy for you've got to stir up what was within you. Second Timothy chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. God has not given you a spirit of fear, of timidity, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Stir up the gift within you. When you come into the relation, don't think that I can't do it. The Bible says you can do it, that you've got love to give, that you've got power to give it, and you've got the mind to do it. You've got right thinking. Stir it up within you. Ease encouragement. Psalm 119, verse 28. When I weep, when I weep, even then your words can encourage me. Get into the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E. Find out what the book says and encourage yourself from God. Find out what the Bible says that's about that situation. And you will lift and you will build. L means to love yourself. Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one God. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You cannot love your neighbor. You cannot love God until you can love yourself. So learn to love yourself. Get in front of the mirror and say, I love you, Mike. Don't do it down at Woolies. Ask me to leave. Don't do it at Kmart. I love you, Mike. Yeah, she cool. Oh, it's crazy, but it's neat. So you've got to... Start in reverse and fill up your love tank with God. If you're empty, there are people here today, if I could look at your inner world, you're running on empty. The tank's down and you're saying, how can I fill it up? And for some of you, you're thinking, maybe if I jump onto the internet, I can fill up my tank. I take that tablet, I drink that bourbon, I take that wacky tobacco stuff, you know, I do... We all will have to deal with how we fill it up. God's designed you to fill up on him and his word and his presence. And I'll tell you what, sometimes it's really hard work. I'm being honest with you. My flesh doesn't like doing it. And I usually go into where i got to do or when I go on my walks or something like that and I'll go, I so not, do not feel like this. And 10 minutes, I'm saying, God, why didn't I do this every day of my life? It is so good, so powerful. The answers come. I'm flooded with joy and peace and life makes sense. It's the human equation. We are still made of a carnal nature. It's put to death by faith. And Jesus lives in Mike's life through faith. And that has to be activated. And F stands for something really good. Uh, um Stir up yourself, encourage, love. Oh, forgive. You've got to forgive yourself, obviously. Next one. Time has just about gone. This is the way life works. You and I were actually created to live with people in these things that run on two legs and do things to you. And when we live with other-centered relationships, in other words, my life's not about me and making me happy. My life is about actually networking, connecting with other people, guess what happens to your life? It increases. It increases. And you become more like God. God actually died for the world, just not for you and me. He died for the world. And the more my life is about focus upon me, self-centered relationships, the smaller my world gets and the worse it becomes. If you want to break even the best marine, you just put them in solitary confinement. You'll never find healthy people uh, who are alone. 
really alone. You, you show me your best friend. You show me your tribe. I can tell you a lot about your life. In fact, you show me your friends and I can tell you your destiny. That's how, much, that's how important it is. The people you hang with, how you do life, actually will determine whether you're going on a spiral towards life or a spiral down. Now, Hans Heinzig, psychologist extraordinaire, he actually says that for most people that, uh, that he sees coming to him for counselling, for deep therapy, etc., he says most people could resolve their problems by actually going home, locking the door of their house, walking across the railway lines and finding someone who's worse off than them and investing their lives in helping someone else. Most people can be sorted out when they help someone else. You know, Carolyn can tell you over and over again how often we'll have people come to volunteer at Southside Care, and we really love all that. But some come very broken. Some come very depressed with all sorts of issues and stuff. They come to be a blessing to others, but guess what happens to them over five months, six months? They actually have incredible lift in their life just because they're focused on someone else. So I know people are difficult. I know they're awkward, but they can actually show you stuff about yourself. Next Got to go quick, really quick. Coming in for landing. What angers us and the other person is often the unhealed aspect of ourselves. When that issue is resolved, we no longer feel irritated by its reflection back at us. Ouch. There's another one. You will marry a person that you think you deserve. Ouch. Well, it could be a good thing too, couldn't it? It could be a good thing. But for some people, they'll actually marry someone. You understand how sometimes drop-dead gorgeous girls will go out and marry some idiot bogan? Well, because they actually feel like they're an idiot bogan on the inside, so that's what they're married to. Uh, here's another one that's ouchie. The child, parents, the child that you fight most with will be the one most like you. See, this is the thing. People are a mirror to our life. And if you walk into relationships and you find over and over again your relationships are broken, they're troubled, or they're superficial, say superficial, they're superficial, then what's going on is the truth is you don't like you. And the more you associate with people, the more you find out you don't like you. It's not them you don't like. It's that they are mirrors to who you are. Okay, last one, I think. Fantastic. Yeah, live well with people. Love much. I hope at the end of the day that I'll be measured for my capacity to love people, which for Mike is a miracle. Absolute miracle. And laugh often. Laugh good for you. Have a good joke. I actually have a new joke. <laughs> who knows who Bruce Lee is? So he only works for a certain generation here. What's Bruce Lee's favourite drink? Water! See, that's good, but I've invented more. What's his second favourite drink? <laughs> Coca-Cola! I've got hundreds of them. <laughs> stop it, stop it. Okay, 
Gary, you need prayer. <laughs> I can't believe it. We got one more? Got one more? No? Monarchs! <laughs> Green tea! <laughs> Why did God invent the church? I mean, he could have actually just, the moment you say, dear Jesus, I give my life to you, just drop dead, and you go up to heaven. Then tap, tap, tap up to heaven. Mind you, it'd be very hard to have a second altar call after the first one drops dead. <laughs> why, why does God have this thing called the church? It's actually not meant to be a movie theater where you just come in and you watch a show. It's not actually meant to be just a place where you sit in the same seat and you never talk to anyone. It's actually meant to be the place where you do family. You know about family, of course, you can't pick your family. And in this church, I get to form a relationship with my Pakistani brother Isaac, a man that in any other world we would have nothing in common, never meet. And now I can always get a curry and a hug. It's good, you know. Or Lorraine, one of the great prayer champions I know. You know, she prays for me every day. She's seen angels. She can tell you stories about what it is to serve God. I mean, this is what it's meant to be. Family, working together, getting beyond the superficial and actually finding out how to love people. Some are difficult, I acknowledge. I am probably very difficult to love. But that's the point. I mean, someone else could be very easy to love. Like Gary's easy to love, you know. There are difficult ones. We're actually all meant to be on the journey learning together. Relationships are important. The church is about that. They've actually done the work. Apparently, attending church is good for your marriage. It's good for your health. You'll live longer. It's good for your mental health. It's good even for apparently they've done studies on Alzheimer's. Apparently, you're less likely to forget where am I again? Um, <laughs> you're less likely to develop Alzheimer's. You go, for some reason, they've done all these tests. Because it's full of people! So let all the people stand and we'll dismiss you. I've gone just that fraction long. We'll pray and uh, we will have the uh, team up. So thank you for that. Dear Jesus. Uh, Lord, uh, for some of us, the most risky adventure of our life will be to take a risk with a human being. And Lord, that can be sometimes in a very close relationship, such as maybe a husband and wife, partner. Uh, Lord, it could be just letting someone else into our lives. And I pray, Lord, that we would let your Holy Spirit shed abroad his love in our hearts. Lord, it's the miracle that we who did not know how to love can now actually do this incredible agape thing of being caring and committed to others and we may not even know their name and the color of their skin is different or they come with a different uh, background to us, educationally, religion, whatever it might be, Lord, you cause us to come together as the family of God. And Lord, when that's on display, it's attractive, the world see it and they want to know what's going on. Lord, we do pray that you would build this family of God. And Lord, for each of us this morning, Lord, if we've got troubled relationships, 
if we need to make some adjustments, Holy Spirit, we ask even now that you talk to us about realignment, about forgiveness, about encouragement, about learning to love ourselves and forgiving others, that Lord, we could enter into deep and meaningful relationships that will teach us about each other and teach us about you. We ask this in your wonderful name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We're going to close with a song. I'd love to break every chain again just once more. Thank you for hearing me out today. Um, Just before we go, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your own personal saviour, it's really important that you do know that. You know, being Christian or adopting a Christian worldview is not enough. You actually do need to know Jesus Christ personally for yourself. And just for a season, I'm going to try a slightly different method of inviting people to uh, meet with Jesus. I'm quite conscious these days that not everybody understands the gospel, and I haven't had a great chance to do that today. So what I'm going to do today, over the next few weeks, is if you would have any concern about... Here's the diagnostic question. If you were to die tonight... Bad news, bad news. Sorry, bad news. But if you were to die... Would you have confidence now that you'd wake up in the presence of God and saying, welcome home? If you don't have that confidence, then what I'm going to ask you to do is, can you meet with me in this little room over here? It's a nice little room. We've got couches on. I'm going to be there for five minutes. If you don't know the answer to that question, I'm going to have my Bible with you, and I'd just love to be able to share with you what I know about that answer. Is that okay? Is that cool for everybody? Okay, let's break some chains. God bless you. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus.